Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. We've been ministering on the subject of grace. And uh, how many know if there's one thing that our country needs right now? We need the grace of God uh, to show up in our nation. And uh, what an amazing week. Who would have thought that we would have had the events transpire that took place this week? In, uh, in our nation, um, there is a, it's interesting, there's just, I don't know, I don't know how, how you're feeling about this or responding to this, but in my spirit, there's just an uneasiness uh, concerning where we are as a nation. When I'm looking at, uh, at where we are in this election cycle, who's going to be the next president of the United States, I have an uneasiness about that in every area, and uh, and so it comes down to us and, and, and how are we to live and how do we see that? And it's so easy for us to be disconnected and, and just to live our own lives. But when we pledge allegiance, we, we pledge allegiance as one nation under God, not 50 separate states doing their own thing. But we are one nation. We are 50 states together, one nation under God. Amen. And then when it comes to the church, we're, we're not separate churches. We are the body of Christ. Jesus only has one body. He doesn't have all these different bodies. We divide over different ways and likes and interests and viewpoints and stuff. But we still are one body in the same way each state kind of governs itself. Churches and people have a right to gather and, and, and have freedom of worship and freedom of expression and all that based on the word of God. But we're still one body. And so the Bible tells us that when one hurts, we all hurt, that when one is affected, everybody is affected. Amen. But we live in a culture that tells us that we are individuals and we glorify the individual. We glorify self. But every all of that changes when we get saved we're baptized into the body and it says that we are members in particular and we're connected to one another and the the other part we talked about a little bit last week on standing fast in our liberty that if, if people come into america to become a citizen of america that means you pledge allegiance as a citizen and you join together with all the other citizens to be part of one nation and to contribute to the betterment of that nation are you with me but we're seeing, what I'm saying is that we're seeing a real shakedown in both areas. And, and, and what, what I need us to understand spiritually is what happened. And, and so is that when culture, when natural culture in this world, when Paul says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It means don't let the thought process and, and the ideologies and the concept of the world shape the way you think when it comes to how you live in the kingdom of God. So there has to be a renewal. And when we come together, we have to have that unity. Ephesians says that, that the Spirit of God is working in us until we all come to the unity of the faith. And so unity is a huge part, and God works dynamically whenever there is corporate unity in His people. And the thing that made America great is that we used to have a corporate unity as a nation. Amen? And so we're seeing some of these things change in that. And uh, I believe there's a real mantle of responsibility on us as a nation. So this morning, I want to take a few moments. And as we're talking about grace, even in this area, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that for your sakes... 
that for your sake, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. And as we've been ministering on grace, we're trying to get us to see and to understand that God's grace works in our life in such a way that it works for somebody else's sake. Thank God for the saving grace that we have in Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. Amen? And so the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ produced salvation for us. You know the grace of our Lord that for your sakes he became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. But then when God's grace begins to work in our life, then it also begins to work for the sake of somebody else. And so he makes us a benefit and a blessing to bring his increase into the lives of others. And that brings us to this part of the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and beginning, if you would, in verse um, 16 with me. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everybody say a new creation. Think about that. So he's new. So he's a new creation with that. And we talked about it last week a little bit. New identity, new values, new direction. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everybody say all things. So coming to Christ means a, a, a renewal in every area, every aspect of our life. Verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Many times people say, well, you know what? I just want to find out what my ministry is. I, I'm looking. I know God has a ministry for me. Your ministry is connected to others being reconciled to God. All ministry has to have its foundation in this. Amen. So watch what happened. That is, verse 19, that is God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So we have the ministry, and now we have the word, and God working in us the same way as he was working in Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ were pleading through us. Do you get that this morning? That you and I, as we're walking through this law, God's grace working through us, it puts us in that position where he is actually, if you would, pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Father, in these next few moments, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, come open the eyes of our understanding to see and to receive what you would speak to us this morning. We let our hearts be open. And let your word be planted and let it bring forth the harvest that it contained. Father, bring about renewal and understanding in our lives that we might walk in this ministry of reconciliation. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Um, for me, in watching current events and watching what's happening, I, I was just a little bit surprised uh, on July 5th, it's interesting, July 3rd, we're talking about standing fast in our liberty and taking a stand and things happening around us for, for last Sunday. And then on July 5th, we have the FBI director come out and pronounce that you're guilty, but you're not prosecuted for, for Hillary and all this stuff. And then they have the, 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 uh, 
the hearing and, and the director Combs comes before the, the Senate committee there and he's asked by Trey Gowdy, did this person lie? Did they lie? Did they lie about this? They lie. Yes, they lied about that, but it's not worth prosecuting them for. We're going, oh my goodness. So we're, we're listening to our government kind of self-destruct and disseminate and, and, and what's happening. So what's happening with that, we're hearing that there's an uneasiness and a distrust in the people. And so they're, they're, where, where's security? Where is this happening? And then we see different things happening. And, and then in the middle of that, we have the two shootings, the one in Minnesota and the one in Louisiana. And then everybody gets upset. And then people are feeding everything about that. And then it's stirring emotions all in the wrong direction. And instead of reconciliation, instead of peace being found, this great divide is happening. And what I'm saying is if that's the spirit in the world, then we have to guard our hearts and protect ourselves from that beginning to impact that. Because once that spirit gets on you, it affects every other relationship and involvement that you have in life. So look at the cover of your outline. And what I'm asking you today, when these things begin to go on, and then here we are Thursday afternoon, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm driving home from an appointment, and I'm listening to the radio, and right in the middle of, 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 of the broadcast there, I'm listening to Fox News on the radio, and right in the middle of that, of Megyn Kelly doing her show, here, here they break in, they go, oh, we're going live to Dallas right now with a protest. Here. Then the next thing you know, they go, oh my goodness, there's an officer down on the ground. And so this, this, this ambulance Bush and, and this assassination of our police officers take place on Thursday afternoon. And, and now there's a whole new level. Everything just going to a new level. So we have to ask ourselves, listen, we are still one nation. We're in Diamond Springs in California. We're a long ways from Dallas. We're a long ways from Louisiana. We're a long ways from Minnesota. We're a long ways from where these things are. We're, 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 we're separated by a lot of different things. But no, we're not. We are one nation. And we are one body. And so what is our response supposed to be? What are we supposed to do right here? Does it concern us? And I want to submit to you today that it does, that it is important. It is something that we need to address and talk about. Look at your outline. The scripture tells us that God was in Christ seeking to reconcile the world to himself, as we read, which covers every person, every man, woman and child of all nations, all races in the world. That's why it's amazing. You can go to Haiti. I've been to Indonesia. I've been to Sweden. I've been to South Africa. Everywhere you go, I've been to Honduras. Every nation you go to, you can preach the gospel and people can be reconciled to God. Jesus died for the sin of the world, not for the sin of the sum. Amen? Not just for some, but for every man, woman, and child. And this ministry of reconciliation is to flow to all. Today as Christians, we have the potential to demonstrate a model of reconciliation in our troubled world. If we do our part where we are, we can possibly stem the tide of this divide and keep it from reaching the shores of our communities and our city. But we have to do something. And so we'll share a few things this morning, but you have to be engaged, people. You have to get in. This is your nation. And when you're watching the news, this is your nation. 
When you're hearing about this, and, and if the, as the nation goes, and, and as the church goes, actually as the church goes, so goes the nation. So if the, if the church pulls back, if we just disengage, I, I talked about a little bit t- Sunday night, if we just go home and live our own Christian life, if I come to church just to get a little, get a little bit of goodness from God for me, and I just go home and live my life, I'm not engaged, I'm not concerned, I'm not involved. I, like I say, I don't know about this, that w- what the outcome of, of the politics of this season that we're going to be in, but I have to be involved, I have to be involved i have to be informed i have to vote i i have to be in the pro i may not like the way it is all going but i have to be engaged i at least have to give my voice and use my responsibility think about it this morning and even in that but but if we get look if we disengage from society we do the same thing we disengage from involvement in church church only works when people volunteer Ministry only happens by people coming together and volunteering to give in ways of serving others for the grace that is in us for the sake of someone else. Look inside your outline, if you would. The Judeo-Christian ethos present, present in our nation, national culture gives us some basis for hope. But I believe reconciliation ministry is primarily the responsibility of the living church because there's no substitute for the atonement for sin provided through Christ. Nothing else is going to fix it. Amen. We need the reconciliation that God can bring. History tells us that every great season of revival and renewal in our nation and the, in the world, that the Christian community has stepped forward and placed considerable emphasis on open acknowledgement of sin, calling for changed attitudes and just actions. Or in other words, to repent. The church rises up and says, hey guys, we need to repent. And many times we think, well, I didn't do anything wrong. But in that area, if we're connected, and this is where we miss it so many times, people think, I'm living my individual life. But once you get saved, you're no longer an individual. You're a member. So what we do when we're not here affects us as much as when we are here. What we do when we're not assembled has a bias and and an impact on what we do when we are assembled. Because when we're not assembled, we're seen in the world. Are you with me? And then how we conduct ourselves, how we live out there, we come together in the world season and go, oh, that's what you guys believe over there. No, wait a minute, that's what they do. That's not what we believe. That's what they did. Yeah, but they go there. So that must be what they believe there. If they go there, that must be what they believe there because they, oh, you get what I'm saying. And so the same thing, when people look at our nation, how we conduct ourselves, what, what individuals do, it brings a reflection back on the whole. So the church can stand up and say, hey, we can model what it really means to show reconciliation. And we can step forth and we can take responsibility for things that we haven't done. Wow. Go with me to Nehemiah chapter 1. Are you doing all right this morning? Okay. Watch this. See, sometimes it can be done, we can see true repentance, we can see reconciliation. Sometimes it can be done through organizing events and ceremonies which represent an offended, uh, offended subcultures and representatives of offending subcultures have an opportunity to express regret or extend forgiveness. We can do that. We can have events, we can bring offended parties and offenders together and try to build reconciliation. But there's a stronger thing that we do. And even in that, if you go, if you look at the history, us being in the assemblies of God 
and, and, and we've always been a, a spirit-filled Pentecostal church from that standpoint. That's our heritage. Those are our roots. That's the foundation that we believe in and stand upon. Like I said, different churches have different views, and we worship around that, that, that concept from the Word of God, those truths found in the Word of God, and we hold fast to that. But in 1906, in the Azusa Street Revival, when that happened at that time, we were still a kind of a segregated nation. We're only a few years past the civil war of our nation. How many know we had a tragic civil war in our nation based upon slavery? And we keep hearing a lot of that brought up. Our president just got, listen, our president gets up and says, and mentions Jim Crow and slavery. And we are so far removed from that. But people keep stirring things up in the midst of this stuff. You have people being assassinated on the street. And the leader of our nation is saying things that are just digging and, 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 and causing the divide and this rift of separation to be driven even further. We have to say, what are we going to do? And so you can't organize and bring that together. But what happened in 1994 in Memphis was called the Memphis Miracle. And, and Pentecostal leaders came together. The next thing you know, there, there were people in that meeting and a great foot washing took place. And there was a reconciliation where this racial divide had been in a, in, in a movement in, in Christianity. Men and women got together and said, hey, we need to heal this. And now they chose to be reconcilers and restorers. Are you with me? And so it's so important, but it's a posture that we have to take. So we must recognize also that human history is filled with complex issues. As today's generation, we have inherited the task of both honoring our righteous ancestors and seeking forgiveness for ancestral sins. We must follow the example and accept the mantle as did Nehemiah and the prophets in their era. Listen, in, in this area. Jeremiah was weeping. Jeremiah was a righteous man. The prophets were righteous men and women of God. Yet they had a burden for their nation. And that if there wasn't a call to repent, if there wasn't reconciliation first to God, there would be no healing for the nation. And that, and so it takes a corporate responsibility. That's what I mean. We have to go back to that thing. Wait a minute. We pledge allegiance. We want the Pledge of Allegiance retort in our school. We want it over here. We want to be able to sing the national anthem at, at, at our events and different things. We want to be able to say the name of God. But we are one nation under God and we are one body in Christ. Are you with me this morning? So important for us to understand. Nehemiah chapter 1, if you would, look at verse 4. When Nehemiah heard the report of the broken down walls in Jerusalem and the state of the city, he said, And so when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days, I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant mercy with those who love you, and you who observe your commandment, please let your ear be attentive. And your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. So Nehemiah stepping up and saying, God, the condition of our nation is not just for what we have done in our day, but what's been happening for generations and for years before. We didn't get here overnight. Are you with me? 
And so for us as a church and as a nation, we have to rise up. And that's why I say it can feel like, Pastor, you're preaching to the choir. You're doing that. But unless we rise up right here, unless it begins individually, each and every church, each and every congregation, each and every community rise up and say, wait a minute, in our community, in our house, we are going to be a house of reconciliation. Our city will be the catalyst for it here. Amen? And so in standing, it just has to happen that way. Well, we can say, well, you know, we're small. We don't have that big an impact. But how many know for, for things to crumble, if you're building things, how many, how many have ever made, made, made a house of cards, try to stack up cards? And you can get a whole bunch stacked up, but if you put one card in the wrong place, how many cards fall down? All of them. And doing different things, or, or you get start building stuff and stacking stuff, and, and it's just that one, that last thing, and so many things piled up, and it gets goes pretty good, but then that it's just that one usually that falls, or you, you can have snow accumulate, you can have everything happen, and then finally just that last little bit of a storm, and then it releases all that accumulation, and that's what happens. Please let your ear be attentive. Look at verse 7. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant. Now let me just, let me just put it to you like this. Nehemiah is in captivity. And he's not in captivity maybe for his sins. He, he's not there. But he's part of a body. He's part of a nation that got judged corporately for its sins. And that's where we're missing it today. We don't see the corporate connection that we have together our there's a reason our founding father said we are one nation under God and we have to accept that responsibility of being joined together and that our actions affect everybody else can I just say I'm, I'm super proud and 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 uh uh Thankful for so many friends that I have in the African-American community. I'm thankful for so many of the posts that I've seen on Facebook of, 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 of African-American men and women standing up saying, wait a minute, that does not represent me. That, that is not who I am. That is not representing me. I am not in favor of that. They're standing up in, in support of law enforcement and everything else. But as people rise up and say, hey man, I have to have a voice. And people speaking out for their culture. They don't want to be labeled. They don't want to let somebody else put a label on the whole. Isn't it amazing when that happens? A, a whole race gets labeled. But people are standing up and saying, wait a minute, don't label me with that. And they're trying to work for reconciliation. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? It is so important for us to get that. GM, Jeremiah goes on, verse 8. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses said, that if you, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you amongst the nation. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, through some of the, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of heaven, yet I will gather them there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for, for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong love. Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. So here you have one servant praying for a nation. And I want you to catch this this morning. What is our part? If each one of us decide that we will be an intercessor and we'll be 
begin to intercede for our nation. Jeremiah wasn't praying for himself. He was praying for his nation. And then you found out that after God answered prayer, he approached the king and God gave him favor with the king. And, and, a, and a non-believing king, his oppressor, said, you know what I will do? I will pay for the rebuilding of your wall. I will pay for the rebuilding of the temple. I will give you everything you need. And God moved on behalf of the prayer of one man who sought reconciliation. And what happens if we begin to catch that same spirit and pick up that same mantle of Nehemiah and the prophet? Lord, I pray let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name. Let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And so as a cupbearer in a lowly place, he didn't have a place. The the cupbearer is the guy who tests the food to see if it's poisoned. And so you eat first, and if you don't die, the king eats, or the king drinks. And so he, he's, he's expendable. He's not there because he's prominent. He's an expendable uh, uh, position in the king's court. And so for him to approach the king with a, posi- with, with a, a petition, he needs great favor. And so when we, when we understand there's a mantle for reconciliation, for restoration that God has, and we step into that arena, God will move mightily by His grace on our behalf. Honesty dictates that we embrace both the guilt and the grandeur that attached ourselves to, to our various identity. The identity of an intercessor more, is more than male or female, race or nationality, religion or creed. It is one of the greatest tools God has given us. It is the ministry of reconciliation. An intercessor is one who seeks and walks in the ministry of reconciliation here. That's what Jesus was. He is our great intercessor. An intercessor is one who intercedes on behalf of another. Can be, it can be personal and it can be national. Nehemiah is interceding not for himself or just for another person. He's interceding for his nation as we saw. Jeremiah called the weeping prophet for his nation. Think about it. It could be a prophet for a nation. It can be a mother for a daughter. It can be a master for a servant. You read your New Testament and you find intercessors all the way through it. You find the Syrophoenician woman who comes interceding for, for, for her daughter. You, you, you find the Gentile woman who comes interceding. You find Cornelia sending the, the centurion sending to Jesus for the sake of his servant. You find a father coming for his daughter interceding for them on behalf of somebody else. What does that mean? You also see a Savior interceding for the world. Without an intercessor willing to stand in the gap, the divide will continue to expand. Without a, there, I believe there's a responsibility on us. We can't just let it pass. We can't watch the news. It's amazing. And, and it's still, as, as just in preparing for this today, I'm thinking, I'm still amazed that 9-11 passed so easily in our nation. That we as a nation were attacked. Thousands of people died. And we enter into a war. And we have all this stuff. And, but, but it just is. It, it, there's there's, a, there's a, a numbness to us almost. To wake us up. To drive it. To see God this is serious business where we live today. Hey, yeah. All right. Praise the Lord. Say, Pastor, you're discouraging me. No, I'm trying to encourage you. You're, you're an answer. God has made you an answer. 
if we will accept the mantle of an intercessor. Hear it again. Without an intercessor willing to stand in the gap, the divide will continue to expand. To intercede means to act or interpose. It means placing yourself in the midst. Your Bible says, and my Bible says, that God sought for a man to stand in the gap. How many could look at our nation and say, there's some big gaps in our nation today? There's some big gap in how we view things and things that are getting larger. But if somebody will stand in the gap and interject themselves in the mix on behalf of someone in difficulty or trouble as by pleading or petition, going to bat for somebody else, to attempt to reconcile differences between two people groups or to mediate. And so Jesus is the intercessor. Jesus said that came as the mediator. First Timothy two five. There is one media, There is one God and one mediator between God and man. Christ Jesus the Lord. You have somebody interceding. Hebrews seven twenty five. He ever lives to make intercession for you. You right now. There, there, there is a potential of a division between you, but you have an intercessor standing between you, working for the ministry of reconciliation between you and the Father. And what Paul said in Second Corinthians chapter 5, now that you have been a partaker of this intercession and this reconciliation on your behalf, He calls us to walk in that same Spirit in our day and in our time. To be a mediator. To be an intercessor. Stay with me this morning. We have that one who ever lives to make intercession for us. And we are the benefactors and recipients of his mediation on our behalf with the Father. When we are redeemed, we become part, we become part of the transcendent body of Christ. In which there is neither male nor female, Jew or Greek, bond or free, as Paul wrote. Just all one with, new, with, all with one new identity in Christ. We read it. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new identity. And the thing is, I said last week, in standing for our liberty, when we look, and, and, and it, it, it goes so fast today. It is amazing the escalation of events happening. And then I hear on the news, just bits and pieces this week, and I hear that, that now, out of what happened in Dallas, people aren't backing up and saying, wait a minute, this is getting out of control. There's people still attacking more law officers in Washington, D.C., and other places and states, and, and then people are trying to do copycat crimes and do another thing. Come on, we're, this thing is it's not, there has to be something of an urgency that gets a hold of us. Are you with me this morning? I just don't think it can be glanced over. Oh, well, that was in doubt. It doesn't matter. This morning, let's just talk about how blessed we are. Amen. Well, we are, but we're blessed with this great opportunity. We are so blessed with the... I, I, I said it Thursday night. This is, amazes me that God has chosen. God has chosen to get glory working through your lives. That amazes me. That God say, I will work through you, and when I work through you, I will receive glory. God says, I orchestrated and planned this whole thing so that I would work through you in the earth, and by me working through you in the earth, I would receive glory. That God would want to get glory through our lives. That amazes me. Amen. That is so awesome. Think about it. So we have this identity. The Word of God declares to us that we become even more responsible for dealing with the implications of our new identity when this new life is born in us. When we are born again, thank God that we are saved and we don't have to fear the judgment to come. 
I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. But more than that, we have an identity. And part of that identity is that we are to be reconcilers. We are in no way guilty. Hear me this morning. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We are in no way guilty for the sins of our ancestors or any other group. This is not about guilt. This is not about responsibility. This is about a call that's upon us in every nation. You go back and read the history of revival, and it's people who just stood up and said, God, I choose to be responsible for making a difference in my generation. I choose to accept responsibility to make a difference. I really believe I'm still a, uh, I'm still a rapture guy, man. If you want to hang out, go ahead. I'm still a pre-trib rapture guy. From the way I read the Bible, I probably need to do a whole lesson on that or a series on that. But I still believe. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Thessalonians real quick. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Watch it. Listen to me, we are not guilty for the sins of our ancestors or any other group. Each person stands before God alone in accountability. Every one of us will stand before God. Paul said to the church at Corinth, every man will stand and give an account for the life that he lived in this body. Everybody's going to, we just stand. We don't stand. I don't get to blame anybody. Today, everybody blames everybody. I came from a dysfunctional home. Join the crowd. Everybody came from a dysfunctional home. All parents are dysfunctional. Nobody knows what they're doing. You think you do when you have your first child. You got it all together. Then you have a second child who's nothing like the other child. And then if you have a third child, you don't even know where that one came from. And then you have a fourth child, you think for surely people are swapping things in the hospital. And then you try to figure out how do I deal with all these personalities in my home at one time. And then you're trying to figure out how to handle your personality. And then you're getting convicted by your kids because you have a flaky personality. And you say, I was fine until you showed up. And so how the home is dysfunctional. But we go, well, it's not my fault. My parents were there. They were never there. My dad was never home. No, he has four kids. He has to work a lot to feed you. And then he's tired when he gets home. He doesn't have that few moments. You're glad if you get that 30 seconds every day. Well, how are you doing? <laughs> Amen. But we have all these requirements upon us, everything. Yeah, but we're blaming everybody. Well, I, went here. I didn't have this opportunity. I was born in the wrong place. I was born. But yet, when you look around you, you can find men and women who have stepped out of the limitations of their path, who have refused to be limited, who have refused to be labeled, who have refused to be a victim, and they rose up and said, wait a minute, there is something on the inside of me that says I can change, and I can make a change, and I can be better than my circumstances, I can be better than the label that's been placed upon me, I can find a new identity, and especially when you come to Christ, you find out that God has empowered you to be greater than what anybody has ever thought you could accomplish. Amen. Glory to God. So think about it. So we're no way guilty for the sins of others or any other people group. Each person stands with accountability. But God, hear me, God is looking for volunteers. God is looking for volunteers who will accept the mantle of the intercessor to stand in the gap. If there's going to be a change in our nation, it's going to come because somebody is going to volunteer. There's one thing that Donald Trump has said that's interesting to me, and it is true. Even though there's so many things about his policy and his platforms that I don't agree with, there is one thing that he said is true. He says, I'm a businessman. I don't need to run to president. I'm not going to be better running for this, but he stepped up to the plate. He, he, he entered into the game. He got into the game. 
And getting into the game, everything about in politics, when you get into the game, and this is why many people don't want to get in, because when you get into the game, every part of your life gets put under the microscope of examination. And people get in there, and they see how brutal it is, they see how cruel it is, and they go, wait a minute, I don't want to be subject to that. So we don't have people volunteering. And so then we wonder, how do we get this out of all this whole nation? How do we end up with just these people? Because nobody else is stepping up to the game. But when something happens, when people see, wait a minute, I have anointing to be an intercessor and I have a ministry and a mantle that's been given to me for reconciliation. So I'm willing to step into the game. Let the criticism come. Let the examination come. Paul said it like this. He said to the church at Corinth, he said, it is a small thing for me to be judged by men. Seems how God is my judge. And people always look because there's something in us that if we can demean somebody else, if we can find fault with somebody else, somehow we feel better about ourselves. But that finding fault with somebody else doesn't make you a better person. How are we doing all right? So, but because of that, God needs volunteers. But people volunteer, they get in there. People volunteer in church. And then they find out, man, there's a lot of conflict that goes with just trying to help people out. But stay in there anyway. It's worth it. If you don't, pulling back means that it's not going to happen and there's a gap and it's not going to get better so you can make a difference. God, the great thing about grace is that God gives us the strength to endure it all and to come out victorious through it. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. Watch that. So God's looking for these volunteers to stand in the gap, to open themselves up to godly sorrow for the condition of their land and their people and confess the sins of the land to birth reconciliation. Amen. I've been in the birthing room. Nobody's smiling. Dads are freaked out. Oh, what do I do? I mean, and, 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 and the moms are like, ah! and you go, what happened to my wife? And you're like, it's going on. But something new life is being birthed. It's being birthed, and, and there's agony, and there's a push, and, and there's a travail to it. And, and then out of that comes new life. It's not easy. It's not pleasant. It's not comfortable. It's not, it, it, it never works according to plan. You go, it, it, it doesn't work. I tried to help my wife do that. She said, get away from me. Don't attack me. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm trying to help you. I mean, it's, but to birth it. We can't have it all night. We can't have it all polite. To birth reconciliation, we have to get involved in the travail of the process. And to worship team to come back. It should be our hope that our children and grandchildren. See, but if we don't get broken, this is what concerns me. If we're not broken about what's happened to our nation, if we're not concerned, if we're just going to pull back, people are disengaging. If we disengage, we lose it all. And, and people, when people begin to disengage in, 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 in our nation because the conflict is too complicated, I don't want to think about it, then the same thing happens when they come to church. If there's a little bit of pressure in church, we disengage from that. So we pull back. I just read my Bible for myself. I pray for myself. I take care of myself. I'm just working out for my family. But then we give it up, and, and, and the enemy takes the territory. It should be our hope that our children and our grandchildren will not have to face or deal with the hatred and the alienation that has marked the experience of this, this and past generations. I'm going to have 
in August next month, my seventh grandchild will be born. My third granddaughter will be born. Stepping in to life in this nation. I'm concerned for my children and the child, their children that they're raising and my grandchildren. And if the Lord tarries, I'm going to have great-grandchildren. It's a blessing this last week. My mom was here last week. Susie's mom was here yesterday. And so our mom's getting to be with their great-grandchildren. How awesome is that? That we have longevity and posterity. But what is the future for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren if we cannot be stirred with an urgency to intercede for our nation, to pray for our nation? That's what gets me. If 12 police officers protecting the freedom of our citizens to have peaceful protest in March for what they believe is right and to exercise their voice can be gunned down in the streets. And five of our officers die. And that doesn't rock us to our core in concern for our nation then I have to look at myself personally and ask myself, what will move me? What will cause me to be concerned? See, all this has happened because of satanic strongholds rooted in the history of our past. But Jeremiah rose up. This is what Jeremiah was saying. Hear me. Jeremiah's prayer said this, Father, he says, I know that we are under a generational curse. I know it's the sins of our fathers. And we've walked in their ways. And that brought us to this place of captivity. But Jeremiah said, God, remember your covenant and remember your promise. And he prayed. And God answered that prayer. When one man stepped into the position of an intercessor and sought reconciliation with God on behalf of his people, God moved on behalf of an intercessor. Think about it. We can break the generational curses and build a bridge in one lifetime. We must desire to uncover the ancient and modern wounds of injustice, prejudice, pride, so that they might be healed in a biblical way without self-righteous accusations or dishonest cover-up. It's so easy for people to, to, to just speak. It doesn't matter. Come on, it's a mess. Let's just repent. Let's call upon God for clemency and forgiveness. And let's ask for the rest, restoration of our nation. I still believe in America. I still believe in this nation. I am a patriot. I want to have a voice. I, I want to be involved. Amen? Think about it. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Our healing will not come through the halls of justice or through the legislative will of those who seek to write new laws to stem the tide against their perception of the evil. It will only come through the healing power of the cross and the redeeming blood of Christ. The only way to heal the broken heart of a person and a nation is through the redemptive work of the cross. The reason our nation is where it is is because we've forgotten God. 
And we've allowed that to happen. The church has allowed that to happen. We have to be a voice. And when we volunteer and step into the game, you're going to get criticized. You're going to get rebuked. You're, you're, you're going to get called out. Listen to something. I went back and, and, and I pulled up some prayers of our president and, and our founder. Abraham Lincoln said this, We have forgotten God. Abraham Lincoln in his day said, We have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our heart that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. We have a nation... We have a nation that is steeped in pride. And we're thinking we've done this by our own hand. George Washington said, It is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. We don't see much of that in our nation today. We have to intercede. John Adams says, We recognize no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. Our founders believed in this. James Madison said this. We have staked, hear this, we have staked the whole future of American civilization not on the power of government. You know what you're hearing today? The government can make it better. The government is what screwed it up. The government's not going to fix it. Far from it, he said. We have staked, listen to this, we have staked the whole of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each of us and all of us to govern ourselves according to the commandments of God. The future and success of America is not in this constitution, but in the laws of God which this, upon which this constitution is founded. So we wrote it, but we wrote it based upon the standard of God's Word. And so I'm telling you today, and I'm giving a call today, that God needs His people to step up as intercessors. That it begins each of us individually in our own lives, like Nehemiah. Nehemiah by himself praying, but then he came together and corporately began to work together for the restoration. And we have to do that. John F. Kennedy said, The rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. Wow. I read it last week. I'll read it again. Ronald Reagan said, If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. We need God in America again. Amen? And we need to be the intercessors that will make this happen. I put it there in your outline. I'm asking you today. I put it out on our sign this morning. Pray for America. And that we back the badge. 
Every time you see a police officer, when, 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 every time, the, the, all, all the, every year when, when we do the march for the MLK march every year in February, when we do that march, there are police officers standing all along. Every time I go by an officer at an intersection, I go by them and say, thank you, guys. Thank you for serving. Thank you for being here. I want to honor you. I want to tell you how much I appreciate Every time you're around a police officer, next time you're at a restaurant, you see a police officer in there, somebody in there, offer to buy their meal. Just go up and tell them, appreciate them, walk up. It's amazing when you see what you do. Every one of these people, every one of our law officers, every one of our peace officers, every one of our first responders puts their life on the line every day. And you think about it. Some of them so many times in, in just mundane operations, they have to go to the domestic disputes. They have to go and settle little squirrels and quabbles. They have to be there and the calls come in no matter what it is. But they're there all the time. These officers who were on the street, they ran towards a person shooting at the people. They ran to take the fire upon themselves so that people could be spared. Let me ask you today, what are you running to to protect anybody else? Can, is there something that causes you? Then that's the essence of this. They have given their life for the protection of others. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, but we have to run towards that, that others might be spared. God needs us in this moment, in this hour. Take time to show a gesture of gratitude, support, and a prayer. But also pray for the families of those slain in the line of duty. Pray for the healing and recovery of those injured in these attacks. We have men and women in law enforcement in our church. I think about it every day. I think about Don's husband, Ron, every day he goes to work. Never know how to crime. It's, it's one thing when it's in the line of duty. It's one thing when somebody just out of a, a senseless act of hatred and, and just insanity. And so many of our officers just blindsided. It's one thing when you know you're on the battlefield, you're at war, and you know there are people looking for you. But when you're out there and unexpectedly to be blindsided by hatred, how many know we need to pray? So I'm asking you, I'm, I'm not praying for you today. I'm asking you to believe in the grace of God that's for you. I'm asking you, would you just take a moment, maybe right where you're at, I'm asking you to turn your chair into an altar right now. Would you just turn around right there where you're at, turn that chair into an altar. Would you just take a couple of moments this morning to pray for your nation? Would you just begin that step of intercession? Would you take a moment just to bend your knee? Bow your head and ask God to remember His Word. Ask God to bring forgiveness. Ask God to receive your intercession. Pray for these families. Pray for the victims. Pray for protection. Pray for those who have been injured. Pray safety over our officers and our servants. Pray for peace and healing through our nation. And ask God to use you in reconciliation.